You're listening to the Plant Powered Activist Podcast, episode number 13 with Jackson Foster. friends welcome back to episode number 13 of the plant powered activist podcast hope you're all doing well and if you are a new listener welcome to the podcast um basically this is the audio space where i come to you each week with a conversation uh i guess you could call it an interview but i like to think of them as more of conversations that i get to share with you that you get to listen in on and learn from And um, these are conversations with a wide variety of social justice activists, um, social change makers, and just people who are, you know, doing their bit to make the world a better place. And um, I do this because I want to help inspire and empower more people to stand up for what they believe in and, and, and feel... Uh, empowered to make the world a better place in whatever form they choose to do so. And I know from experience that it can feel really difficult, um, you know, when you know all this stuff that's happening in the world, all this all this um, really heavy stuff. It can feel really daunting and it can, it can, uh, it can be easy to feel like uh, you like stuck and that we can't do anything that, that we can't have an impact at all, no matter what we do. But the truth is that we can all do something. And I just want to help people realize that and, um, you know, inspire them to do that through talking to people who are doing really cool, inspiring things. So with that in mind, um, my guest today definitely fits that description. Um, he is a very cool person doing a lot of really great work, I would say. Um, and, you know, you you may know him uh, from his from his YouTube channel, Plantriotic, if you watch his vlogs. My guest today is none other than Jackson Foster. Um, I met Jackson this past summer at the Woodstock Fruit Festival, and we got on great. You know, he's a very super generous guy, very down-to-earth guy, very invested in helping the world and helping animals and, you know, really being proactive and inspiring and creating uh, a a more beautiful, more sustainable world. So, um, you know, Jackson is a uh, plant-based muscle builder. He's a yogi. He's an environmental activist. He is a fellow podcaster. He's a YouTuber. Um, and he is an artist living in uh, Berkeley, California. He's got a degree in environmental policy, and he's been featured on the Ritual podcast, Vegan Health and Fitness magazine, and he is the founder of Plantriotic.com, which is basically his social media brand that he's created to expose people to animal rights and health and environmental sustainability 
And he does this basically through vlogging, which is a really unique, really kind of artistic way of, of um, you know, talking about these issues by, you know, living his life in, in such a way and incorporating all these messages into, into his vlogs. It's really cool. So we talk about how he manages to produce so much high-quality content so consistently. Um, we talk about what inspired him to turn to vlogging as a form of activism. And we also spend a good chunk of this podcast talking about Jackson's past of eating disorders and exercise addiction, which is also very similar to um, a lot of the stuff that I've gone through. And look, I know that that's not really the theme of this podcast, but the fact is, it's something that's pretty common, and it's something that is definitely not talked about enough. And let's face it, none of us are going to be effective activists if we are suffering or if we have personal struggles that we are not dealing with. Um, so, you know, Jackson has a lot of great stuff to say on the subject, and I'm sure you will agree once you hear this conversation. So that's basically all i got to say. Oh yeah, one more thing is that, as I mentioned, we recorded this um, at the Woodstock Fruit Festival in the summertime, so there's a bit of background noise throughout the conversation, but it's not really that big of a deal. It's, you know, you can still hear what we're saying, um, and that's it. So, yeah. Hope you guys enjoy, and this is my conversation with Jackson Foster. Alright, so, um, yeah man, it's uh, super awesome to be able to sit down with you and Pick your brain about a bunch of different stuff. So absolutely, let's get into it. It's yeah, a pleasure yeah. to be interviewed on a podcast. I'm <laughs> usually on the other end. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's been nice getting to know you a bit through yeah. email and stuff throughout the year. And mm-hmm. you're an awesome dude. It's been a great Thanks, time man. getting to know you. Yeah, and I'm I just excited wanna, to talk. I just want to say first of all that you like your podcast is definitely like one of the reasons why I decided to start my own and everything. And yeah, and I think like you're like you're actually like a big part of the reason why I'm at this festival now because like you know i saw your videos from like past years and it's like wow that's so amazing i have to come and experience that for myself and everything it is an incredible place yeah what's what's been your favorite part of the festival so far this year oh man um i mean i'm not fully raw throughout the year always yeah i I am sometimes but i'm very like seasonally raw but i get excited like in the summer i'm way higher raw than winter for instance mm-hmm. when I was in Colorado hopefully that'll change now that I'm moving back to California yeah. where the fruit's good all the time yeah but like you know I get excited I think I get excited around uh let's say July oh yes Woodstock Fruit Festival's coming again I can be raw for a week I mm-hmm. love being raw and then when I get here like yeah the fruit is incredible yeah. and it's so nice not to have to go buy food yeah. and like you get everything for you it's, oh, it's so amazing um but to connecting with people mm. here is better than any sweet fruit. Yeah. Like the deep levels of connection with people, and the fact that you can be your weirdest, authentic self. Mm-hmm. And actually, the more weird and authentic, and loving, and heart opening, and yogi—like all the things that I like to identify yeah. myself as—that in the regular world <clears throat> freaks some people out. Yeah. Here, 
the more open you are, the more people will love you. Like, it's it's yeah. like the roles have been reversed. I know, it's really... Like, in the outside world, you, you kind of got to be normal, you got yeah. to dress nice, you got to shout. Like, here, people love authenticity. Yeah. And so, like, I've met so many of my fans, you know, people who watch my videos and get inspired, getting to hang out with them. Um, and being around such high-caliber people, mm -hmm. how often, like, from the athletes to the YouTubers who've done incredible things, yeah. activists, you know, people who run fruit farms and fruit businesses, like, the caliber of people here are no joke. Like, it's mm -hmm. really an intense environment. And whatever you're interested in, like, right now I decide I want to do an Ironman triathlon mm -hmm. in eight or nine weeks. Yeah. That's something that I have no experience in. Mm -hmm. And here... There's people who have incredible experience. Right. Like, if you're interested in anything, I, I bet there's people who are into vlogging. They're like, wow, Jackson's here. I, he's really good at vlogging. Yeah. Like, ev everything you're interested in, there's someone who kind of masters it here. Mm -hmm. Everything, like music, activism, YouTubing, sport, nutrition. So it's just like, it raises the bar and it inspires you just to be so badass and more things. Mm -hmm. That's why I love coming here. Definitely, yeah. So I've been What's extreme. been your favorite part? This is your first year. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, that's definitely been a big part of it for me, too, is just, like, connecting with people. I've never experienced such, like, deep connection with people and, like, like um, just, like, being surrounded by people that, you know, I can relate to all the time. It's just, like, uh, I, I don't know. I'm just, it's, it's a new experience yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, like, I've done a good job as a vegan, I think, like, putting myself in vegan communities like mm -hmm. I was in a vegan club in Ber er, at school like in Colorado Springs there's a vegan community I got right in there yeah. I go to the Chiang Mai festival I go to this festival like it's important as a vegan yeah to it is to surround yourself with people that are like minded because then it can be it can be super daunting just it being is, in yeah. the real world all the time it's it's, it's rejuvenating <clears throat> to come to a place like this where your lifestyle is the mm. norm yeah, it is, it is really important, and I tend to forget that a lot of the time, so it's good to, um, to remind myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think there, like, I'm really excited to talk to you because I think there's, like, a lot of similarities between us with, like, our history and, um, you know, our experience of, like, eating disorders and exercise addiction and stuff mm -hmm. like that, so I really want to, like, this podcast is mainly... Um, so far been about, like, activism and, like, bettering the world and uh, and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I, I really like being transparent with um, people that I share stuff with, um, yeah. you know, with the, like, where I've come from and everything. So I thought it would be really good to, like, ask you a little bit about, like, Absolutely. if you can talk, talk about, about your... It eating disorder sure. background and like where you came from and how you like overcame it and sure. yeah like kind of get yeah, into that so a bit. I mean, j just right there like that's a big question can you overcome an eating disorder and as far as my experience goes so far I don't think it's ever something that I'll get over mm -hmm. like the way that I've been processing it lately is um, <clears throat> that at one point in my life which was about four years ago um the amount that um I cared and like occupied energy around <clears throat> around like caring about what my body looked like 
and certain amounts of leanness and how many miles I ran and stuff, um, it kind of was the priority in my life. Mm -hmm. Like, when I went to bed at night, I wouldn't love myself or like myself if I hadn't hit some objective measures, whether Mm -hmm. that's my weight being low, you know, body fat being low, number of miles outputted that day. And, like, that came first in dictating my happiness. Mm -hmm. Let's say, you know, other things made me happy, too. When my mom would hug me, when I would pet my dog, like, other things, too. But that was, like, the 80% Mm -hmm. of what I focused on throughout the day, scheduling my life around my workouts and around my meals. I remember, like, um, and and, and the way I started getting into this habit, because I wasn't like that growing up, I was a vegetarian I went vegetarian when I was 14 and happily ate milkshakes and cheeseburgers and drank and nutrition and my body and everything I was a what would you would call a normal kid mm-hmm. growing up mm-hmm. and it was really it was right after my gap year which is interesting because it's the most like influential part of my life maybe it really yeah. sprung me to this whole lifestyle and like realized what I want to do with my life and um it was at the end of my gap year that I went vegan um, and a few weeks before that that I definitely started to show some signs of like disordered exercise and mm. eating habits and I can't point to why like after this beautiful year where I learned so many great things um, I, I think it might have been a sense of control Yeah. like my year was pretty wild I was doing a lot of camping and couch surfing and traveling and like I didn't have that much control because when you're doing that stuff it's like there are other elements in your life that are taking the control away from you Mm. maybe um because it's you know things happen when you're traveling and things happen when you're alone and um and yeah I just I I, I don't I can't even pinpoint how it happened but I uh, got myself into the situation what I was explaining a minute ago where I really was judging myself based on my physical appearance mm-hmm. and I had this idea that just the skinnier and leaner I could be the happier I'd be which like now it almost makes me laugh because no matter how skinny and how good you look um, it's not going to have a substantial effect on your true happiness mm-hmm. there are other things that truly make you happy mm-hmm. um, and it's sort of a false narrative to think that you could change your body and that solely will make you a right. make you happier when you sleep at night um it just doesn't happen right. and that's uh so it so that's what but that's why it's a disorder because mm-hmm. it's not logical it's not rational yeah. um and so for about two years what happened to me was i was vegan and i was vegan for the right reasons mm-hmm. i was vegan because it's a healthy lifestyle because yeah. it's better for the animals like i wasn't just doing it because of it gets you to be active and yeah mean. like yeah. no i was doing it for the right reasons but um, I say what I have was very, what they call orthorexia, mm-hmm. where I educated myself hard on what the healthiest diet was. And, you know, learning from these doctors and nutritionists and people in the community like Caldwell Esselstyn and Colin Campbell who have great information, everyone should follow it, I took it too seriously. And I got to the point quickly in my vegan journey where, like, I was preparing 100% of my own food. If I went out, if I had to go out, and my parents dragged me to a, my uncle's uh, birthday dinner, like, I would either eat before or after and have, like, a green salad with no dressing at dinner. And, like, you know, which, which seemed fine. It's like, yeah, I just really cared about nutrition. But there were other things as well. 
Um, and these are sort of, could be like triggers to people of when they hear this and maybe if they can relate to it, it might be a sign that you gotta get, you yeah. gotta check yourself out. Um, I would refuse to eat after 8 p.m. If I like went to a concert and started at 7 and I didn't eat before and I was starving when I came home, I was like, well, it's not good for my digestion, so I'll just eat in the morning. So I would skip meals sometimes. Um, I portion controlled my food. I had this arbitrary size bowl, okay, that like I started to make smoothies in. Yeah. And if I made like more smoothie than the bowl, I would like throw out the rest because I was like, no, my yeah. breakfast can only be this size. Right. And it's just these small little things that actually don't seem like a catastrophic big deal. But when you do it day after day after day, and you're pushing yourself physically and you're over-exercising, it spun into this loop that I had no control over where breaking some of those habits freaked me out. Mm -hmm. Like the thought of running less or the thought of going to a restaurant and having anything with oil freaked me out that I would get fat or I would get sick because I just was so dogmatically following like this nutritional program that I just designed for myself without, you know, any, it's not like I had a degree and like it, you know, it was just stuff I was finding online and it's easy to get too absorbed in it. So it's like, I took this great thing, which is veganism, which is high carb nutrition, whole foods, things that now I implement them into my life every day. Mm -hmm. But back then, just cause of a couple little things, you know, I became a person that was severely underweight. Um, I broke a lot of my relationships with my friends cause I was just so tired all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I was so tired at night. Um, I was spending all my time preparing food, buying food or exercising. Yeah. I wasn't very productive. I wasn't even very athletically successful yeah. because I was tired all the time. Yeah. And I thought I was like, oh yeah, I'm training more to get better. But you're not when you're not nourishing yourself and you're not resting. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was, and, and my parents were telling me and my friends were telling me like that this isn't working out and I just thought no it's just the first like couple of years you just gotta get through it yeah. and it's gonna work out and it wasn't until I started to develop my, my yoga practice my mm. yoga community in Colorado while I was at school um, and I decided to enroll in a yoga teacher training program and freaking saved my life yeah. like I don't know I was just lucky like I don't know where I'd be with my eating disorder if it wasn't for that place because I was put into a really passionate deep close tight-knit community mm -hmm. that like talked about stuff yeah and also really honored community building mm -hmm. and teaching you know ancient traditions that are really important to me now like eye gazing and Oh, just opening up your heart to people in ways that I, I don't know, you're growing up in LA, growing up anywhere, a lot of people don't, aren't sure. exposed to that stuff. Yeah. And I was like a wounded soul and I had an issue and somehow it was just like the energy of that community. And I grew up even in a loving family, but mm. it was something clicked where I knew when I walked into that studio, like my teachers, my yoga teachers, they would ask me, like, they would make sure I wasn't, like, working too hard running because, like, they knew that I was, I had an issue. And it's mm -hmm. like, wow, people, like, care about, like, I, I'm being account, people are holding me accountable. Something happened. I don't know what it was, but I, I faced my fears and mm -hmm. I said to myself, 
this isn't this isn't working out. Um, and so I decided to take steps to change it. And it was through practicing yoga and learning these philosophies that happiness is not rooted in anything material. Happiness is rooted in breaking down the shields that are developed in front of your heart over living a lifetime in the 21st century, yeah. from advertisements to um, being in constant war, things that just block our hearts up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started chipping away at it with my yoga practice and started to see like the inner light and beauty that I have within me and that yeah. it doesn't matter what I even look like or how I how I eat or how I exercise and that I'm still a freaking awesome person. Mm. Just the fact that I can give someone a hug in the morning and make them happy is enough that I'm an amazing person. Mm. And when I started to say that to myself and trust that, um, I realized that I could go to Chipotle and eat a burrito, a vegan burrito, and as long as I kept it compassionate and vegan, I was okay. Yeah. I didn't get sick and I didn't get fat overnight and um, I decided to use this opportunity to really show people what you can do to defeat eating disorders and also just to become the best version of yourself possible so over about a year and a half I got way more comfortable with eating a diverser vegan diet and experimenting with vegan junk food and eating healthy most of the time just getting a little more loose with it mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time in the weightlifting gym because I wanted to prove to myself that I could like be big after I was really small mm-hmm. um, and that was just something that I it was like a goal of mine to help me continue to be fit while also or like to exercise which feels good while doing the thing that used to scare me most which mm. was eating a lot yeah. and not running yeah. and so I spent a lot of time in the gym and over about a year and a half period I went from 140 pounds I'm 6 foot 2 when I sort of decided to, def- to fight this eating disorder up to 180 pounds mm. in like a year and a yeah. half um, and so that's kind of the big story Yeah. Um, but to say that it's over is not true Mm -hmm. because you know every single day still when I'm eating food or planning my day you know it's still in the back of my head Mm. that like that's really interesting you gotta I still judge myself Mm -hmm. and if I don't get a workout in when I expected to I'll feel bad about myself Mm. a little yeah. Not to the point where I do anything destructive to my body. Like, I can get over it now. Okay. But to say that it's over is, I don't know if, I think it's very similar to alcoholism, where alcoholics mm. don't ever say that they have recovered. They're always recovering. Right. And I think in my path, um, it used to be that I judged 80% of myself based on my exercise and appearance. Okay. And maybe now it's 20%. Okay. So it's like, it used to be the bulk of what I cared about, yeah. and now it's still there, but it's just way more reduced. Okay, so what do you do now to deal, like, to deal with that and, like, not mm. give in to that? Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's so small now that, um, I don't know if I could, I, I can't really get back into that pattern anymore. Mm. Like, it could develop someday. Yeah. I'm, who knows yeah. what, what's going to happen. But, like, right now in my life, um, 
I am much more objective about it. Like in the past, um, I, I used to maybe, I kind of refused to eat unless I exercised before. Yeah. Um, and now, like if I can't exercise because I have class or whatever till noon, mm. I'll still have a big breakfast because guess mm. what? You should have breakfast and you should eat after you wake up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I have rules now that I don't let myself get back into that habit. Okay. So I still might judge myself a little bit. Okay. But I can breathe through it or meditate through it yeah. and say, look, you don't want to be that person again. That wasn't a happy, happy Jackson. The happy Jackson is one who's well fed and uh, has good relationships and so on and so on. So I, there, there's, I know my triggers. I know all my triggers. When, when something triggers in me like, ooh, maybe you should eat a little less and, and, and run a little more. I take that as a red flag now. Mm. When I used to, just say, like, yeah. Like, yeah, let's do it. Let's, yeah. let's do that. You'll mm-hmm. get a better result. Mm-hmm. I know what that result got me, which right. was not being an accomplished athlete, not having good relationships, not loving myself, my parents being worried, having no energy. I know the result to that behavior now. So when the triggers come, which they will, and, and that's what I'm saying, you never get over it. I think that those thoughts will come forever, but I'm much better now at acknowledging the thought and not acting on it, mm-hmm. whereas for a number of years, I would act on it. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. So There's my long-winded answer. Yeah, that's a really good answer. So um, what would you recommend for people who are still struggling with that sort of thing? So there's a lot of different things, Um, and my story is, you know, public, I'm talking about it here, I talk about it online, and for some people it might work, and for others it might not, and I have friends that I've met now in this eating disorder community, you could say, who got months of professional medical help, Mm. and maybe mine wasn't severe enough and I didn't need that, but for others they do. Yeah. And so to take my story and say that it'll work for everyone is is a lie. Right. To say that it'll work for some people, for sure it will. Mm. And I've gotten people giving me feedback that it's really helped them. There's a guy who I love, a guy named Jack, who uh, is a young high school kid who, like, my story really changed his life and we're Mm. good friends now. And um, he also never had to get professional he has like a dietitian but I have friends who have been like you know in an outpatient rehabilitation center Mm -hmm. and so it's all to a different degree and what I was what I would say is for people if you think you have an issue like this honestly if you're privileged enough to get professional help don't wait and try to do it on your own Mm. start with something simple like going to therapy like, go to an eating disorder specialist therapist. Maybe it doesn't mean you need to check yourself into a rehabilitation center, but start with professional help if you can. Yeah. Um, because it's just a safer path. And if you start to gain weight, and if you start to love yourself more, you'll know once you're on the path up to recovering. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll, you'll know. And if you maybe get a few sessions of professional help and use YouTube and other... Um, anecdotal stories of people like me who are not professionals but just people with experience if you see yourself starting to recover then you know this is enough Um, but if that's not happening then I would hope that you could take more serious measures in order to do that 
Um, I also think accountability is huge. I was so embarrassed to like admit to my parents that I cared about my body, and even though they knew, guys, like they people know your friends can read right through your your parents can read right through you. You think you're having this secret that like um, that that they don't know what's going on inside your own head. Um, and being accountable is amazing. I remember admitting to my parents that I had an issue and that over the years when they would say that I have an issue, I would say that they're wrong, but I knew they were right. Yeah. And after I admitted that to them, and it's emotional and you can cry and it can be really uncomfortable, um, once you do that, having an accountability partner is one of the most powerful things that you can do in yeah. life for combating your eating disorder but for anything you want to become a professional baseball player you want to run a business accountability partners it sucks to lie and disappoint Mm -hmm. other people yeah and it's so easy like i'm sure this was my experience i'm sure it was yours as well when you're in the bulk of your eating disorder do you become more social at that time or do you spend all your time by yourself because you don't want yeah because you know people will react to Mm -hmm. your we, your bad habits. Yeah, I don't want people to see that. You don't right? want people You're to trying see to that. hide it, yeah. Right, so being accountable and being social um, is such a good way to help yourself to recover. Mm. And it's hard and yeah. it sucks, but look, if you want to get over it and be the best version of yourself, it's going to be a struggle. This is a struggle. This yeah. isn't an easy thing. Yeah. Um, change is hard, and especially if you have the type of mindset where you find yourself in an eating disorder. You're a, you probably are a very high will willpower person. Yeah. Like it's not an easy job to do this, so you're gonna wanna keep it continuing as much as possible. And it's really hard to uh, admit to other people what's going on. But ultimately, what we want is to heal and recover and come out on the other side and help other people go through this. So mm. accountability partners is also huge. That's I guess that's my my advice. Sweet. Wow, that's uh, really helpful. <laughs> awesome. Um, okay, I want to get into, like, vlogging stuff now. Nice. Um, so, yeah, was there, like, a specific moment where you decided that, like, you wanted to go down this path of, like, being, um, like, a public figure on social media mm-hmm. as opposed to just, like, having a more yeah, conventional... Um, you know... I wanted to start my YouTube channel um, to share and document my story. I started my YouTube channel right when I started, right after I had the bulk of my eating disorder kind of fought and I Mm. had it pinned down and I was starting to recover. Mm. And that's right when I started my YouTube channel because I wanted to share um, everything that I was learning and try to help people. And, um, but the, and, and you know, I had some little success, not, not, not much success with my YouTube channel. I was very sporadic about it. I wasn't uploading consistently. Um, and it wasn't until I became like a really more developed kind of animal rights activist and vegan activist and, and really wanting to help people that I started to do some research as to what are the best ways to get this message out there. And what I found was there were so many, um, instructional videos on YouTube, many of which had helped me, mm-hmm. but there, if you want to learn anything about nutrition, about all these niche little topics, there's a video out there for yeah. it. 
Um, and I come from a Hollywood family, and I have some editing skills. Like, I've been making movies since I was little. It's just like me and my brothers would do that when we were, like, in elementary school. And I got inspired by vloggers like Casey Neistat and Louis Cole and Roman Atwood, all these very silly figures that I was really entertained by mm -hmm. because a daily vlog is like having a television show, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And what I, what I realized in my vegan journey was that the preachier you are to other people, the least effective, the less effective you're going to be with mm -hmm. promoting your message. Yeah. And that instead, just living a super inspiring uh, example of like being a badass person, people will flock to you and come and want to see, okay, how do I, how do I get so productive? How do I be like this person? And naturally people will look at someone's diet and lifestyle mm -hmm. and how they, uh, their spiritual practice and how they exercise and all this stuff. Yeah. So I decided to kind of take a different route than the typical vegan who, um, makes videos about, instructional just talking to the camera and I said I'm gonna try something different and start to daily vlog and see if people are entertained by it and then mm -hmm. they'll naturally once in a while in my vlog I'll talk about veganism whatever right. so I, I did that for a long time and um, the first year of my YouTube channel where I was not very consistent at all I got about a thousand subscribers and then the second year which was this past year of daily vlogging I'm up to 21,000 so it's been a really awesome journey. It's been really fun. Um, I've definitely inspired and motivated a lot of people uh, from a variety of ways, like traveling, eating vegan, building muscle as a vegan. Um, and, you know, my YouTube channel is always evolving, and I don't know what it'll be like in the next few months. And yeah. I'm kind of taking a little break from vlogging because okay. now I find that it's not as purposeful as it could be because I'm not addressing my passions in every video it's kind of just okay. like i have to get this entertaining shot and put this music in instead of okay. like really speaking from my heart yeah so um i'm kind of experimenting now with some more like interviews and mm. maybe motivational videos of interesting me just speaking to the camera yeah um so we'll see but being a public figure is it's a very amazing thing yeah it's really gratifying to give back because i wouldn't you know my life changed so much from watching people share their stories online that giving back and you know that's the cycle of how stuff happens mm -hmm. when someone's in a super down trough of their life and they see people that lift them back up you want to do that to the next person right yeah um so it, it also keeps me accountable honestly being a YouTuber is like having the biggest accountability partner mm. of all time. Yeah. What if I started vlogging and people started to see I wasn't being as social, I was getting too underweight, mm -hmm. I was eating weird things. Like, I'm so transparent about my life mm -hmm. that people would comment. 21,000 people from around yeah. the world would comment. And yeah. it's like, because now people look up to me, I have to keep myself in check because I have to be the role model that I want to be to those people. So it's actually, you could argue, like, a big part of my recovery and keeping myself in check, uh, a public fig being a public figure yeah. facilitates that yeah. in a really great way. Yeah, that's really interesting. Do you think, um, do you think that's, like, something that everyone can, should do, or do you think yeah, there's, like, really specific type of people that are so, like, cut out for it? Like, no, not everyone can do this, because, yeah. like, think about literally the word everyone, if everyone did it, there'd be no followers. Right. <laughs> so it can't work that way. Yeah. Um, and it's an interesting thing. I, I don't know 
uh, how to answer it. I, I've been thinking about it while I'm here because mm -hmm. there's, you know, Woodstock Fruit Festival is amazing, and there's not a hierarchy in terms of like, ooh, you can't hang out with me because I have more followers. Yeah. But let's just say there's a hierarchy in, uh, you know, there's an order of people with the most subscribers to the people who started their YouTube channel this week who have zero subscribers. Yeah. And um, I'm just thinking, like, will everyone succeed in this? Yeah. Who tries? And like, no, the answer is no. No. And I realize that it's totally fine because, and because here's why. Um, if we, if our motivation, all of us, for being a YouTuber, for uh, everyone here at this festival is interested in expanding veganism to the mainstream, mm -hmm. um, and there's a f there's multiple avenues to do that. Yeah, you need doctors to be promoting vegan diets. You need lawyers to be mm -hmm. fighting for animal welfare. Mm -hmm. You need teachers in schools teaching about nutrition to their students. You need people growing papayas. Yeah. Like, literally, <laughs> you need all this stuff mm -hmm. if we actually want to change and start a re vegan revolution. Having YouTubers talk to mainly millennials about veganism is just one of those it's pockets. It's just one, yeah. It's just one. Yeah. And if that's all you, if that's all anyone did, we'd be totally screwed. Right. <laughs> it's literally just one little way. So people glorify this idea of being a YouTuber because you're kind of, it's like being an actor, it's like mm -hmm. being a celebrity, yeah. but um, it can't, everyone can't succeed, the world won't let it because then we'd be screwed in all these other ways, so like you can't be a full-time nutritionist uh, helping people every day in their office and be a top YouTuber, Yeah, it's not how it works, right. so no, I don't think it's for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it makes a lot of sense because I got an internship and I hate working in an office mm -hmm. and I hate working for other people mm -hmm. and I'm a very stubborn person yeah. and I like to do what I want to do and I'm very natural on camera. Not everyone's natural on camera. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very comfortable with it. I'm like funny and good at talking to people. Yeah. These are all things that I have, so it makes sense for maybe me to be a YouTuber, mm -hmm. but for other people, but I can't grow papayas. Yeah. So it's like we all have our niche within expanding uh, vegan to the mainstream, which again is the main goal. The main goal is not to have a certain number of subscribers. Mm. The main goal for all of us is to expand this movement as much as yeah, possible. Just do so, it. Yeah. yeah, you have to do what you are best at and what makes you happy. Mm. Um, and for me, I like being on social media. I'd love to have a television show one day. Mm. I'd love to be a public figure. I'd love to speak in schools. Um, but yeah, it can't be, can't be for everyone. Yeah, and I don't think that you should feel bad if you realize that it's not for you. You know, it's nothing to. No, go yeah. pursue and be the best at the other thing. Yeah, at, at whatever it is that you want to do. Mm -hmm. Like in YouTube, it's so objective because it's like, yeah, I want to be the most influential. Yeah. So you want a number of subscribers. Yeah. But let's say you were into growing papayas. Another example, or being a dietitian. Mm -hmm. Um, you can be like the most sought after dietitian and be all those other dietitians by being the best one mm -hmm. and having the best marketing skills and having the best testimonials from your patients. Like, yeah. you can, it, it's a game being a YouTuber, but it can be a fun game being anything. That's true. You want to get at the top of your game in, in whatever it is that uh, you do. Definitely. Cool. Um, yeah, so how do you balance, like, having all these um, responsibilities that you've put on yourself with vlogging and stuff mm. with, like, other aspects of life and, like... Yeah, just the other. Yeah, um, it, it changes. It always changes. Like, 
my life is sometimes really balanced and then sometimes super not balanced. Mm. Um, and what I, but there are a few tips that I can give because like, I think I probably have a pretty high productivity output versus yeah, like definitely. most people. Definitely. Um, and there's a few things that have gotten me there. And I, <clears throat> and I always mention these when people talk to me about productivity. And I'm not isolating what I'm about to say as like, you stop doing this and you'll be really productive. But when I stopped drinking alcohol and like doing drugs, <laughs> especially as a college student, I mean, it's insane how much yeah. more you can get done. Definitely. Um, and I went through my college experience, like, really bitter about these these students who, like, you know, if you're into drinking every weekend, that takes time. Mm -hmm. Like, being under the influence is not really good for productivity. And other exceptions, yes, some of the best authors and poets and artists have been whacked out crazy people. If that's your path... Amen. Mm. But for me, the kind of productivity that I need to get done, um, I better be sober, and I better have my nutrition dialed in so I don't get sick, mm -hmm. and um, I better go to bed early and wake up early, although due to the amount of stuff I made myself do this past year at school, I was going to bed late and waking up early, yeah. and I sacrificed sleep, man. Mm. Throughout this year of daily vlogging, I probably averaged six hours a night, and mm -hmm. I wish I could get eight. Mm -hmm. And um, hopefully that'll change now that I'm not a full-time student and I'll probably have some more time yeah. in my life. Um, but meditation, staying grounded, um, is huge for productivity. Uh, and it's not like meditation is just the secret. Meditation does something. What it does is it reduces the amount of wandering thoughts in your brain. When you have less wandering thoughts, you have more focused thoughts. Mm -hmm. When you're more focused, you're going to get more done because you're going to be more organized. You're not going to go off on tangents. You're not going to get distracted. So, you know, so many people are just like, yeah, meditation just, like, changed me, man. Sure, but it changed you for a reason, and you, you should logically think about that. Like, that's why meditation is so powerful because it reduces mm -hmm. wandering thoughts, and it allows you to, you know, when you see yourself uh, occupying mental space when you're trying to write a paper but you're thinking about something else, if you practice meditation consistently, which for me is about 15 minutes seated every morning, chanting something over and over in my head in alignment with my breath, and any word, any phrase, a made-up word, it doesn't matter. And there's lots of different meditation techniques. We don't have to talk about that. Like yeah. You can go and look at apps and watch documentaries, whatever. But for me, you know, staying sober, practicing meditation, um, and having deadlines mm. allow me to be productive. Mm -hmm. Like... You know, when I say I'm going to put out a daily vlog every day, it'd be pretty pathetic if I didn't do that. It'd be sad because there's yeah. people watching. So, yeah. again, that goes back to accountability. Um, and you have to be willing to make sacrifices. Mm. And that's so... should be refreshing to hear because it's not like everything... I mean, you, you can only be productive to a certain level. You have to make sacrifices. Yeah. I did not develop a group college like my brother did for instance okay. but like a lot of people did yeah i have a lot of close friends that i'll stay with forever mm -hmm. but like i sacrificed a social life in college yeah. so i could be productive yeah again i had friends i had a good time but my social life was less far less than what most people get mm -hmm. um and i made that sacrifice it was a sacrifice 
maybe less experiences in certain ways because I really was committed to this project of mine and a lot of my productivity goals. So being willing to make a list of all the things in your life that are important, your friends, your family, your nutrition, your fitness, all these things and say, if I want to be more productive in this area, I need to reduce this area Mm. because you can't be, you're not a superhuman. You're, You're a human being. And there are certain sacrifices that are okay to make. Like I wouldn't sacrifice family time. Mm-hmm. That's not a sacrifice I'm willing to make. But maybe being a party animal and having, you know, like that's something I was willing to sacrifice. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, those, those are that's that's kind of how I Sweet. arrange my life in order to have the highest productivity output. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I think meditation in particular is super important just, like, for anyone who wants to be a more successful activist because, like... Yeah, man, yeah, we're like... in the we're in the, in the the work of addressing the terrible things on this yeah, planet. Yeah, I know. And if you don't meditate and ground yourself and realize that, like, as long as you love yourself, things are going to be okay. Yeah. And you occupy your mind with animal suffering and environmental degradation yeah. and starvation you mm-hmm. will not have productivity because you'll literally curl up in a ball in the corner yeah. of your room and explode mm-hmm. like this is being an activist is a hard job because you choose to make your work addressing the atrocities of the world mm-hmm. so that's why like being here is so important kind of not forgetting about the issues with the world but like um being in somewhere that's so positive and pure love, it honestly charges me for like the whole year so that I can yeah. like do the grunt work and face the crappy stuff in order to make a difference in the world. Mm. Awesome. Okay, we should probably wrap it up soon. Um, Let's do it. But, okay. Um, I want to ask you a couple more questions. What do you think is like one thing that we need more of right now in order to like. Um, I don't know, just, like, get through to people more. Like, mm. Vegans, or...? No, just, like, society. Mm. Like, what, what... Is there anything, like, you can think of that we should be doing more of, or that we need more of? As society, what should we be doing more like, of? As a, like, as... Like... Okay. As activists. I guess, yeah, as activists, okay. what can we do better, yes. or what can we do more of yes. to get through to people okay. more? Okay, great question. Um, in my opinion... We don't have enough direct action around animal around animal rights. Mm. Millennials. Okay. We're the millennial generation that thinks that sharing a Facebook post from PETA is your activism for the day. Yeah. You should share that post from PETA, but you should also walk into your local restaurant and do a speak out and mm. talk about how you feel about this restaurant serving animal products. It's going to make people uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable for you, but we have to remember that no social justice movement in the history of the world, probably because the internet didn't exist, but still has never succeeded purely as an internet phenomenon. Like, we gotta get into the streets, and it doesn't mean being violent, it doesn't mean shaming people, but um, like something that I'm, I'm going to be getting into in the next week, I'm so freaking excited, is I'm gonna set accountability deadlines of direct action protests that I'm going to do on a weekly basis. Like, I have not 
gone out into the public and protested like the civil rights movement yeah. did or the you know women's suffrage movement feminist movement has um we think that everything can be controlled online and online is an amazing resource and yeah. we should be putting all our inner we should be putting so much energy into that um but yeah i i think that we are losing sight of what's worked for every social justice movement, mm-hmm. which is nonviolent civil disobedience, yeah. um, doing protests, and not and it's a tricky balance because there's some activists that I'm glad they're doing what they're doing, but there shouldn't be many of them doing it. For mm-hmm. instance, shaming people in New York City for wearing fur is a big thing. You can mm-hmm. see it online, and you know what? There's a place for that, but we need more people intellectually speaking from their heart and doing speak outs mm-hmm. and doing protests because if people were murdering other people at a restaurant or in a community you bet people would get angry and go out and protest that we need to realize as vegans and as activists we're not we need to be proud of what yeah. we stand up for there's so uh, you know like uh, that classic thing uh, you don't need to ask someone if they're vegan because they'll tell you. Yeah. We need more of that. Yeah, I hate exactly. that quote that exactly. people use that as something like vegan should be shameful yeah. for saying it. No. If people, like, like again, if, if people were doing that to humans, you'd be talking about it at every moment. If you went to a dinner party and someone was serving up a child, mm-hmm. you wouldn't sit there and be a nice little nice person that doesn't eat that child but you let other people eat it you'd be pissed off and you talk about it you talk about how uncomfortable it makes you how there's a way better way to eat we need to start doing this around veganism because we don't have the time there are too many animals dying there are too many people having to kill animals which is Mm -hmm. probably destroying their mind yeah bringing violence into their home there's too many starving kids because we eat meat so I think we need to get serious about standing up for what we believe in mm-hmm. and not being so submissive. Like, don't hurt anyone ever, but go out and speak what you believe. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm going to be getting into in the near future, and I'll be documenting it on YouTube, and I'm really fired up about it. That is freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, like, direct action is something that everyone can do you know it's not yes. like you need specific skills in order to do it like exactly you just literally, need... there's so many ways to do it mm-hmm. uh literally go out and uh as i said i mean go to a restaurant and stand up in the middle of it with a couple friends holding signs and mm-hmm. say hi i'm a member of this community i ate here with my family for the last 10 years mm-hmm. and i love this community and what i want to say um, is that there's a better, you know, there's a better way to nourish yourself in the planet. Um, there are plant-based options at this restaurant, and you should support this restaurant and eat less of the flesh and more of the pastas and the yeah. rice dishes. Like, there's ways to do it where you're not being a crazy. Yeah, you're just protester. being compassionate, speaking. From yeah, the heart. and you're vocalizing. You're yeah. actually communicating with your yeah. community instead of being submissive and not yeah. talking. Um, so everyone can do that yeah and obviously it's not always going to be like super easy like obviously no matter how compassionate you are like people are out people often gonna like when people when you stand yeah. up for yourself yeah but you haters gonna hate yeah haters gonna hate and think <laughs> about the amount of terrible things that happen to protesters in the yeah. civil rights movement yeah. if you really care about 
this social justice movement of animal rights, which is like what I've decided to devote my life to, other social justice movements are just as important. Black Lives Matter, uh, LGBTQ rights, but Definitely. you know you can't do everything. And I've resonated with the animal rights movement, so I'm gonna put my energy into that. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, Dario. I wish we awesome. could just keep talking forever. But, yeah. Um, we have a yeah, talent show. Talent to show to. to go to. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure like a lot of the people listening to this probably already know about you, but just in case, do you want to just, like, Yeah, definitely. Um, check out everything I'm doing if you're interested in how I speak um, and what <laughs> I have to say. My YouTube channel, my Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, literally everything is called Plantriotic, and I also have a podcast as well, Plantriotic Podcast on iTunes, um, and I have a website, plantriotic.com, uh, where I do some coaching services and sell t-shirts um, and things like that. So go check me out. Thank you so much, Darius. I'm Thank you to help you build this platform because I really believe in, in, in what you're doing and I love how you can just tell how authentic you are about it and you're just trying to make a difference. So um, it's beautiful to connect with you and call you a friend and thanks for having me on. Alright guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, To be honest, you know, I really wish uh, we could have had a bit more time to continue the conversation a bit more. Um, There's definitely some other stuff that I was hoping we would get to, but um, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, we both wanted to go to the closing ceremony of the festival. So that's, uh, that's why I was cut short. But anyway... Yeah, I think Jackson has a lot of really great stuff to say, and I hope you took something away from that, and um, and I hope it provided some sort of value or inspiration or empowerment to you and your activism journey. Before I close it down, uh, I just want to remind you guys that if you like what you hear on the Plant Powered Activist podcast so far and you want to help me out, Um, A great way to do that is to uh, leave a review on iTunes, make sure it's five stars, Um, and also, you know, just spread the word on social media to your friends and family about the podcast and let them know that you're enjoying it and that you think they would enjoy it as well. Um, That would be amazing. And yeah, if you want, you can check me out on social media. I'm not very active right now, which is um, something that I really need to get back to doing um so far like right right at at the moment it's pretty much just like the podcast that I'm doing consistently but um I definitely have plans to get back into YouTube and stuff like that as well but you know you can check me out on YouTube Instagram Facebook all those social media platforms at plant powered activist and check out um you know videos and stuff that I've put out in the past um so yeah thanks for thanks for listening to this episode guys I will be back next week with another awesome conversation for you. And in the meantime, have a great week. Thanks for listening. Peace.